definitely human. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/achieve today. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey guys, welcome to Back to Earth, a podcast about roots. I'm Charlie May. It is summertime and this is episode 15 where I'm currently sat with mum and we're going to go over all my mistakes that I've made so far from 11 to 14. (laughs) Not very many at all. No, you're getting the hang of it now. You said that, but last week when you listened to episode 11, you literally just came at me in the veg garden with, you made this mistake and you made this mistake. (laughs) I was like, mum, save it for episode 15, please. Harding's Mill... I was incorrect in saying that it was a flour mill. Yes, you were. Yes. Along that river, there were umpteen mills back in the day and they were all tanneries, i.e. they took the skins from sheep and cattle and they treated them. They have them hanging on tenterhooks while they have them drying in the sunshine and there's lots of washing needed and they had the mill leet that they made, diverted the river into the mill leet so that they had plenty of water with a water wheel and that's what they were for. There was a whole string of those mills all the way along this um, valley. Would that have been terrible for the water because all the chemicals from the dye or? Yeah. Yes, it would have been nasty. Yes. <laughs> I guess I never really think of tanneries in this country because it's probably all moved abroad now. When we say mill, all I could think of in my mind was like a flour mill and there was a big water wheel and a, I thought like a grindstone and things like that. Was I incorrect in that? Grindstones, I think, were used to grind the corn to make it edible for the cattle. Because we had an electric, um, or no, it wasn't electric, it was a diesel mill that we used to grind the barley for our cattle when we were fattening them up. They can't eat whole grain, it just needed to be flattened. And that's what the mill wheel grindstones would be for, just to scrunch them a bit so that they were more palatable. Okay, not like a powder. like a No, 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 no. I guess in my mind, um, probably stories of like Nanny, her father worked in a flour mill, didn't he? Well, he had over in Fremington, he had a timber mill. He was a timber merchant and he used to cut timber and go logging and um, it was all done for building and that sort of thing. And on the side, he because they had a huge water wheel, there and on the side the farmers would come in and he would grind the wheat down for bread flour Unfortunately, he got it on his lungs, the dust, and he died young. He was in his 50s, unfortunately, as far as he got. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess in my mind, it was sort of interlaced with that story. And when you say mill, that in my mind is what a mill is. 
I think for him, the flour mill was like a little sideline. His main income was the timber. And during the war, of course, my mother, your grandmother, worked alongside him. Going back to Harding's Mill, when would Harding's Mill have been around? Because I said in the podcast, I think 100 years ago, maybe 200 years ago. But yeah, do you know a specific date? Oh, it's ancient. I mean, the maps that I've got, it's already disused in 1880. I mean, we've got the butt end of one building left, I think, and the remains of the leet. You can still see the dent in the Can you explain what the leet is? Because I feel like I didn't do a good job. (laughs) (laughs) The leet is a man-made waterway where they would have obviously made it leak-proof probably with clay and they would divert the river upstream and then you would have a like a gate where they could stop the water or start it whatever and they could divert it you know like a canal yes very similar and of course when you've got very wet periods of time when there is too much water you can stop it coming through or start it yeah it's amazing how even now hundreds of years later when you're walking through the woods you can still see the old track where these ancient kind of buildings would have been it sort of makes you feel more interested in history you know history was it was always sort of something I enjoyed at school but it wasn't until you start to live in an old place with a, so much history attached to it that you it just ignites a fire in your mind and you just want to investigate more yeah And you were saying it makes you very happy to hear Harry and I talk about wanting to be custodians of the land, which I think is um, kudos to you and dad for bringing us up with that in mind, you know. It gladdens the heart, as they say. I mean, so many farms around here have sold out to builders and developers. And it's so sad to see that it's all gradually being concreted over. And I'm thrilled to bits to hear that you don't want to go down that road. I mean, I'm constantly being courted by developers and um, people that want to do things with the land like that and just send them on their way. Not interested. So we just listened to episode 12. Um, what do you think of my romantic getaway to Valley of the Rocks? <laughs> Looking at the photographs on Instagram, you did look rather soggy and terrified in in a couple of them. It is quite an impressive outcrop of rocks and scree, I think they call it, where you get all those little bits of, you know, where it just one footprint and the whole side starts tumbling down the hillside. And watching the goats, how they pick their way across it. And you can hear the stones tumbling down over the edge. You look straight down over into the ocean below, very craggy. And it would be very easy to fall to your death. I mean, there's... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I felt that. In the wind you were there, it was a bit... uh, I'm glad you didn't tell me you were going to do that. I'd have been worried sick. (laughs) (laughs) But Valley of Rocks is a very, very special area. The difference between Linton and Lynmouth, the River Lynn goes through it. Linton is the town on the River Ah. Lynn. And Lynmouth is where the mouth of the River Lynn meets the sea. So Lynmouth is at the bottom and Linton is at the top. And there's the funicular railway that keeps the two joined. But it was very, very popular in the Victorian times when Ilfracombe was the place to go for holidays. The steam trains used to bring all the people in from the cities and um, Linton and Lynmouth featured greatly. And there's some lovely hotels in Victorian built hotels in Linton and Lynmouth. And they used to call the Valley of Rocks Little Switzerland because of all the mountains. Oh, wow. Um, It is kind of like that, isn't it? It's like mini mountains. And I went last, no, not last year because of lockdown, but the year before, a friend and I went to Valley of Rocks and we watched an outdoor performance of Lorna Doon. Oh! 
and it was fantastic. We took a picnic and we sat there and the players came out and they put on this amazing production. The sea was their backdrop and we sat just by the car park there and um, it was amazing. And they're doing one again this summer and this time it's going to be um, a Shakespearean play. And if you want to come along. I think I will. Yeah, yes, that sounds great. could be fun. Yes. Yeah. It sounds peculiar, peculiarly fun. <laughs> peculiarly english <laughs> it's very english yeah um the chickens oh the chickens aren't they doing well transformation i know i'm so excited to be able to start talking about them we've had them for a few weeks now and they're just doing so much better it's really really wonderful to see when they'd been accustomed to their new surroundings and we gave them that grassy patch to go outside they loved it but the most interesting thing was the transformation of the egg yolk colour. Yes. They went from having quite light yellow when you scrambled it, it basically just looked like white, to having gorgeous rich orange egg yolks. Oh, amazing. They look so delicious on the plate. Yeah. Well, farm fresh. And I, I imagine, you know, so much more full of protein than they would be from the battery hens that they were before because they're just getting fed a much more rich diet. And the eggs are jumbo sized. They're huge. Yeah. yeah it's quite funny as well seeing um all the different eggs we've had a couple now that are really tiny like tiny tiny and i've cracked them open and it's just got egg white inside and then we've had some that are sort of half hard half soft we've had them eating their own eggs which has been a nightmare yeah. unto itself yes we're trying to stop them from that habit we're trying various different things for that but you get to know the same chicken lays the same shape and coloured egg mm. every day. So we're now realising that Gertie laid that one and Ermintrude laid this one. And <laughs> yeah, we've given some of them names. Oh, I love that you came up with Ermintrude. Where is that name from? The Magic Roundabout. Is it was it? the it was oh. the cow on Magic Roundabout. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> so we just listened to episode 13. What do you think? Yeah, great. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I was all over the place with that description of what was going on in the potato field because I just had no idea. So what was going on there? Well, not being a potato grower myself, I can't say 100% that I know what you were talking about, but I think he could have been destoning the rows. They take out all the stones and any big clods of earth that could make a potato distorted if it's growing up against it. And also they plant the potato seed or the seed potato which is a fairly small potato, they plant that at the bottom of the row so that it's got lots of room to send out lots of babies and then it sends its green tops out through the top. And um, if you were growing them in your garden, you plant them and then you just have to keep the, the minute that the green tops appear, you put more soil on the top so that they give some more room for the babies to grow. But in a field, it's all done by machine. I thought that things were being planted in the rows, but then, yeah, it was this giant stone sifter. Mm. And yeah, as you predicted, you said, you know, you've got to go and check it out because I'd never seen soil look like that. It was like these giant ridges, so uniform and beautiful. Um, I'll put some photos on the Instagram, but yeah, it was really really cool yeah the rows are at least a foot high with a dead flat top and it's quite uniform makes magnificent photographs yeah i went up there at the end of the day when there's you know the shadows and everything it looked really really amazing
amazing. Yeah, I look forward to seeing those photographs then. Yeah. yeah. And I look forward to joining you for the potato picking. Um, when are they harvested? Yeah, September. You were right, September time. I mean, the thing is, they, they are harvested by a machine. I mean, back in my parents' day, kids used to get the days off school to go and help with potato picking. And it would be their job to walk up and down the rows and, and fill bags with potatoes. Oh but of God. course, they don't do that anymore. Not quite Oliver Twist days, but almost. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, any that are left behind, they just say, plough them in. We don't want them. Are they not turning into seed potatoes and then giving you potato um, plants? Yeah, some of them will, but mostly they rot. And um, last year I went up with a gator and I just kept heaving all the loose ones in the back. So, so they're all on the surface. You don't have to actually dig them No, up. you don't dig at all. I mean, some rows they don't actually get to. So, you know, you kick the rows around with your feet and you suddenly see all these spuds coming up through. It's, it's quite exciting, really. Well, we'll definitely be making an episode out of that. You can rest assured. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. What are you going to be growing after the potatoes are lifted? Well, they come out in September, the potatoes, and then Nigel will be straight in there with a plough and um, the potatoes set the nitrogen in the soil so that we grow wheat afterwards. Is that something that dad would have done back in the day or is that something you've implemented? No, well, he didn't grow potatoes. That's something that's come on board since. But we used to do oats and right. beans. Beans? What kind beans. of beans? They weren't runner beans or... Right. They, they broad were like, beans. They were, they were like broad beans, but they were for animal feed. Oh. But the trouble is with the beans, they had, they call it home, H-A-U-L-M, home and um, it was almost like dried pea pods. And so they were very difficult to get rid of. I can't remember whether we baled it or burnt it or chopped it up or what we did, but it was it was not like straw. It wasn't mm. something you could sell. So um, that made it difficult. So we came away from that. That makes sense. What else was in the episode? Oh, the rabbits. Oh, the rabbits. The rabbits. Yes. I do feel like Mr. McGregor sometimes. <laughs> He's- For anybody that doesn't know, Mr. McGregor is from Peter Rabbit. The um, Beatrix Potter. Beatrix Potter. Yes, he was. He was the gardener, and the robin used to sit on his spade handle, and he was always having a go at trying to keep the rabbits away. <laughs> I mean, they're pests. I mean, this episode was just when they were digging the soil. We hadn't even dug anything yet, but all the baby bunnies are out at the moment, oh, yeah. and we've had a hell of a time trying to get them away from eating all our lettuce and cabbage, and you know they've munched on mostly everything. I put the cauliflowers in the ground, and the next day they were all nibbled down to nubs. They were gone. Yep, absolutely. And on top of everything that they eat, they also tunnel. They burrow underneath things and displace all your hard work. There's plenty of other acres here for them to go on. They're not coming in our little patch. Too right. So I am going to hold my hands up and say that I got something wrong this week. And that's the blooming vine pronunciation of, I kept calling it Sauvignac, but it's Sauvignac. I don't know where I got Sauvignac from, but it's Sauvignac, people. It's Sauvignac. So, yeah, what did you think of the episode? Well, I thought it was very exciting. I learned a heck of a lot. I had no idea what what you all the things that you've planned and um I know nought about it myself, but I'm learning. <laughs> I love it when you do Devonshire voice. 
Oh, um, yeah, we did actually like get a lot of work done. You know, I was a little bit unsure with Rafe, you know, being nearly two. He's running around and it's a lot of work and I didn't know how much work we'd actually get done. But no, we got a lot done. And um, yeah, it's very exciting. You can fit a lot into nap time. Yes, exactly. As soon as he was down to nap, that's when the business started. <laughs> yeah, it was really lovely seeing how his eyes lit up at the giant tractors. And, you know, he'd only ever had his little toy one. And yeah, he absolutely had a whale of a time, didn't he? You put him in that tractor. And he was there pretending he was driving it with his hands on the wheel and he was having a lovely time. You opened the door and he started to scream, no, shut the door. Yeah. I, want, I want to be in here on my own. I think he quite enjoyed the freedom of, you know, yeah. the door was closed and mummy and daddy are stuck outside and it's just me. <laughs> I did warn Nigel that before he started the thing up the next time he got in, please make sure all the knobs and buttons were in the right place <laughs> because he switched everything around, I think, that boy. Oh God, that's a good point. I wasn't sure, yeah, which tractors were in use I mean the doors were open and things like that so it was unlocked anyway well you did put him in the hedge trimmer and I had this feeling of the hedge trimmer suddenly wearing into action and taking a chunk out of the machine next door (laughs) (laughs) oh god I'm glad that didn't happen So, I mean, I suppose what we need to do now is actually do like a chutney tasting because we made the yes, chutney, haven't we? we? But and we've been enjoying yes. it, but we haven't actually had like a sort of cheese and chutney night like we would no. enjoy. Now it's summertime. No. Have some cocktails on the terrace with some chutney happening. And actually, the chutney tastes better the longer you leave it before opening it. When you have oh. chutney the minute it's made, it tastes very nice, but you let it mellow in the jar and it tastes even better. Ooh, so how long would you say you have to mellow it for? Oh, about now. it was quite cool seeing the uh, guys from germany coming over and actually planting the vines wasn't it they'd come all the way over from germany with these machines there was quite an array of them i think there were half a dozen guys Mm. and they rolled up with the machines and a motorhome and they stayed the night and then they went next day didn't they but watching it in action it was so fast once they'd got it set up it was quite impressive yeah you let them camp on the site and the next day you had, what was it, 13 empty bottles of wine? Yes. I don't know whether all the empty bottles had been drunk that night or whether they'd been having a clear out because they'd come from somewhere else. But 13 bottles of wine between six of them seemed a large <laughs> amount. Um, and then when we were in the garden the next day, I saw a bottle in the gate and I thought, who's leaving their trash? But actually it was a full bottle and they'd left it as a little thank you yeah. gift, hadn't they? It was so nice. They had, yes, from their own vineyard in Germany. It was a Chardonnay which I don't tend to enjoy, but I will give it a go because I've been told that I need to allow Chardonnay into my life a bit more. It's got a lot better recently. Good. I never really liked Chardonnay because it's matured in oak and always gave me a headache, actually. So I'd be interested to see if this one's any different. Well, I guess that's it for the four episodes of this week. Um, And yeah, once again, not too much slap on the wrist from you to me. No, not at all. No, it's all it's all very exciting. I thought it was quite funny with the um, Harry chat. You said, God, you make me sound terrible with the, you know, oh, you know, no news is good news. But it's true, isn't it? You always said that. Well, I was always fairly relaxed about you on the farm. I mean, bearing in mind that when you were children and used to go off, you didn't have mobile phones or anything in those days. So if you had been in trouble, you could have been the far side of the farm and it would have taken ages to find you. But then I dare say one of you would have come back to report on the other. (laughs) There was uh, my cousin, Darren. He 
once when he went off on the um, quad bike, you didn't hear from him for like a few hours and then you found him pinned underneath it, didn't you? He'd managed to roll it over and he wasn't hurt. Well, but- it, it wasn't a quad bike. It was back in the days when uh, it had three wheels. So he would put his foot down as he was going through a gateway and then he'd driven over his foot and <laughs> the back wheel went over his foot and then um, it sort of pulled him off the bike and he was stuck underneath it and he hadn't been back. It wasn't two or three hours later after half an hour. I knew where he'd gone and I said to your dad come on we've got to go and see where he was and there he was lying in a ditch in a gateway <laughs> lying in a ditch but he was all right he was all right he was absolutely fine he was laughing like a pixie I mean he just thought it was so funny but you know he couldn't ride the bike so we had to help him oh I love it <laughs> okay I'll call it there mm. thank you my pleasure Ah, isn't it reassuring to hear that even amazing farmers such as myself still make the occasional mistake? It's so important to stay hashtag humble. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Back to Earth Podcast, on Twitter at Back to Earth Pod, and on popular cool kid app TikTok at Back to Earth Charlie. Music is by John Day, artwork is by Eric Chow, and this episode was edited by the incredible David Knight. Thank you them, and thank you you for listening. And if you're supporting us on Patreon, stay tuned for our after show series, hashtag farm life. This week, we're talking about garden pests, rabbits, pigeons, slugs, snails chicky pigs etc find out more at patreon.com forward slash definitely human back to earth is a definitely human production okay bye hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.